The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Well, today we have the privilege of continuing our journey in Genesis and talking about how the image of God impacts our work and what does it mean to have a theology of work. I, um, the first time I thought about this, I just asked God to give me wisdom, and I was surprised that the very first thing that came into my mind was a song that I hadn't heard for about 35 years. I don't know if you've ever heard this song before. It's just called, I Am a Promise. Have any of you heard that song before? Okay, maybe you can help me sing it. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise. With a capital P. I am a great big bundle of potentiality. Of potentiality. And I am learning, learning to hear God's voice. And I am trying, trying to make the right choice. Because I have a promise to be anything God wants me to be. Isn't that a great promise. Aren't you glad that you will be everything God... Yes, let's clap for that. There's nothing wrong with clapping in church. But God says, I have a plan for you, and nothing can stop that plan from being fulfilled except you hindering me. But if you don't hinder, there's a promise for you to explore in me that will blow your mind because God has a plan to use you for his glory and for the blessing of others. So today, we're going to talk about a theology of work and just make a few points. And the first one is work and worship. They go hand in hand. They were meant to be together. Looking at Genesis 2, uh, we'll continue on from here. Our, our springboard is Genesis 2, verse 15. And here we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The main point here is that work is a means of worship. Right from the beginning, God created everything, and he said, I want you to enjoy what I've made. It's all good. Be fruitful and multiply. I also just want to quickly say here, sex is a means of worship. God said, you know what? What I get to do is create. I create everything from day one to day six. I created everything, and it's good. And you know what? I'm going to give you, Adam and Eve, as a gift. You know what your greatest work can be? Is that you get to create as well. You get to create life. You get to have a baby. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we need to remember that in everything God created, he gave man and women the ability to co-create, to get a little taste of the joy that he has in creating everything. That's why we think of life so highly, because God made it to be good, and he wants us to enjoy it fully in him. So work, sex, it's all a means of worship for God. It's not a result of sin. It's not a result of the fall. That's why it's so important that we're grounded, and we realize that everything God made is good. What's happened, unfortunately, is sin entered it very quickly and perverted everything. And that's why we need Christ to redeem our work. Everything about us, we need him to redeem it so it goes back to its original purpose, to point us to our Savior, to glorify him, and then to have lives of love together. So cursing came because of what we did. When we chose not to obey God, when Adam and Eve said, you know what, I do want to eat from that tree of good and evil. I think you're holding out on me, God. Even though there's everything here, there's something more for me to have. That sin made the ground 
cursed. And this is what we read when we're in Genesis. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till, the retur- till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to the dust you will return. Because of our sin, work is still meant to be worshipful, but it's become a lot harder. The ground is cursed. You have to think, for the most part, for most of the centuries, we've got farmers, we've got shepherds. It's very much about your work is based on the world, the earth that you're caring for. And so now the the ground is cursed. And and what did God say to Eve? She goes, now your childbearing will be in pain. That's what sin brought on is, is curse. And we need to remember that. And then Adam and Eve had two boys, Cain and Abel. They had more children later on, but if you remember this story, we're not going to go too deep into it because we're going to be packing this, uh, talking about it in the weeks ahead, but we have Cain and we have Abel, and and Cain was a a farmer, and it says that he brought some of his crops to offer them to the Lord, and then Abel was a shepherd, and he brought the first fruits of his sheep to the Lord, and they both made an offering to the Lord, and the Lord did not, he rejected uh, Cain's offering, he didn't want it, but uh, Abel's he received. He took that as praise. The Bible doesn't give comment as to exactly why, but one of the, the probably the guesses there is that Cain was just bringing it, bringing it, whatever he had, brought it to God. Maybe he just thought it was a religious duty. It's the first time an offering is mentioned actually in Scripture. But Abel, we are told that he brought the first fruits, the firstborn of his lives. He brought the very, very best. So it's it's understandable or it's a reasonable guess that God was looking at their motives and saying I I love Abel's motive he's bringing his very best to worship me I don't like Cain's motive and so when we work we have options we either have our work and we do it as worship and I mean this your everyday work if you're a student if you're in business if you're whatever it is that you're spending most of your time in you're either doing that work and you're bringing it to God and doing it with him as worship, or it's just waste. It honestly is just a waste of time. And Psalm 40, verse 6 says this, doing something for you, this is a psalmist speaking to God, doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears. Why? So that I can listen. God wants us to spend our days doing things that help us be mindful of him, help us to abide with him, help us to depend on him. All your work is meant to do that. God isn't just looking for this time on Sunday morning and CHVN or other radio stations. He's looking for our whole lives to be dependent on him. And your work is meant to lead you to worship. You don't have anything in your life that's unimportant to God. And he wants to be a part of every moment with you. So is it going to be worship or is it going to be waste? And God says, allow even your work. When you, whatever you're doing, learn to listen to me. Two verses later in this same psalm, it says this, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God, yea, thy heart, thy law is within me. Lord, I just want to know you. I want to take delight in you. I want your law. In other words, I want everything that is true about you to reside in my heart. 
That's the work of my life. That's the work of my life. I want to introduce you to a, a man named Bezel. Oh, first of all, I missed a slide here. Nope, it's coming. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's move on to work and wisdom. So I delight to have your law in my heart. That means I want to have a wise life. I want to live the best I can in, in, in my ability to listen to God and obey him. So if you at all read the book of Proverbs, you know that's kind of wisdom that works. If you're wondering how God and how your faith can, can all coincide with your daily living, I'd, I'd encourage you very much, start spending time in Proverbs. Proverbs will give you the wisdom you need to think of God throughout your day, in your work practices, in your work relationships. It's just a very wonderful way to be mindful that God has a lot to say about how you use most of your time in your place of work. Proverbs 24, 27 says, first plant your fields, then build your barn. In other words, uh, before you buy your house, be sure you have a way to pay for it. Okay, that's the kind of wisdom that you get in Proverbs. We also have Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So if we're honest and we say, Lord, this is what I'm planning to do, I bring it to you, and we don't just say for the, for, for the, you know, uh, for the name, under the name of Christ, we say for the sake of Christ. Lord, I do this for the sake of Christ. You can be sure then that your plans will be established. And maybe God will change your thought life on what those plans are. But I've, I've really learned to pray that when I pray, I don't just say in the name of Christ at the end. I, I, I pray for the sake of Christ. And that really has my motives be checked about why I want to have these plans fulfilled or not. I want to ask you two questions when you think about wisdom and work. The first one is this. Do you believe that God is smarter than the wisest experts in your field? Do you believe that God is smarter than the wisest experts in your field? This hit me when I was in university. I was studying a course that wasn't natural to me. It was, it was a long learning process. I wasn't enjoying it. And I was kind of just going to slough it off. And God just really put it on my heart as, Doug, don't do that. This is your chance to worship me. But Lord, I don't like this. It's your chance to worship me, Doug. Do you know that all truth belongs to me? Do you know that whenever you learn something that's true, you learn something more about my character, my nature? That changed everything for me from that point on. Learning is such a privilege. So Lord, help me to worship you by asking you to allow my mind to understand what I read and to take in what's true. And so that's a good question for you to be one. You might have to confess that you've never thought about asking God for wisdom in your workplace in a very specific way, saying, Lord, in this problem, what would you do? So the other question is, how often do you ask God for wisdom in your work? Start reflecting on your days and think about all the times that God has shown himself to you and all the times that you've probably missed because you say, you know what, I went eight, eight, ten hours at work today. I don't know how much I felt connected with God. So was God not present? Was I not attentive? So think about asking God for wisdom. This is the picture I thought was coming up next, and this is a picture of a man named Bezel. And uh, when God gave instructions to the Israelites to make the temple... He had, you read through it, and honestly, it's a little bit hard to read. It's kind of boring. Uh, 
honestly, because it's just talking about do this, do this, do this, to make the temple right, and then make these things, make these things, make these things, make, you know. But it's wonderful that God gave that amount of instruction because it had a teaching purpose for us. And all those items that were going in the tabernacle, everything that was visible was a teaching point for the people to know something about God. And he got a man named Bezel, and he said, I want this man to make everything in for the tabernacle. And he's going to train other workers, but this is what this man will be able to do. And I'm going to just read you a little bit of his job description. Because he was filled with the Spirit of God, he says, he, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, bronze, in cutting stones, for setting and in carved wood, to work in every craft. Exodus 35 says, and he has also inspired him to teach. He has filled them with the skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or a designer or an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yawns and fine twin, twin linen or by a weaver, by all sorts of workmanship or skilled designer. This is the first job description outside of Adam and Eve having the grass. Like you can see jobs people had, but this is the very first time in Scripture where it's mentioned that the Spirit of God is put in someone to do a specific task. I think it's amazing that it's an artistic thing. It's about beauty. It's about anything that when you look at it, it somehow makes you think of who God is. It's, it's a teaching opportunity. There are many of you in this church who have creative gifts, and we need you to use them to help us know God more. I hope you hear that. You have gifts. Maybe you can draw. Maybe you can write a poem. Maybe you can dance. Maybe you can, maybe you can make a clay pot. I don't know what it is that God has given you the ability to do, but he's given you that ability so that other people might know him more. Didn't it impact you the other day when, when Victoria was here and she was making that pot and we're thinking, as clay in the hands of a potter? Wasn't that a good visual reminder? Lord, help me to be malleable, that, that you can mold me and shape me and I don't fight you back, that, that I, I just enjoy you having your way in my life. When you came in today, you might have noticed that the resource center, which is kind of that room in the middle of our foyer, that the, the walls inside are painted. It's like a, a signature wall now. And if you didn't notice it, when you go out, just take a look. Our plan is that was just painted. Laura Lee came and, and painted that Friday, Saturday. And our plan now is to put a variety of different size frames on the wall so that we can exhibit different types of photography. I'm assuming most of you probably have a picture that you're quite happy with. And we're thinking every now and then we're just going to have a theme. And especially as we think about humility this next year, we thought, why don't we have a theme of just awe of God in nature? awe of God in nature. And any of you who have a picture that you say, you know what, when I look at this picture, I just thank God. And I am in awe. And I'm humbled. You've probably taken pictures way better than that. This picture I took last year, I went to a place called Kakabeka Falls. This is like seven hours from Winnipeg. I thought, I've never seen that kind of beauty so close to home. I love waterfalls. I don't know what it is, but I think that's beautiful. So what we want to do is that between now and Monday, December 2nd, We'd like any of you who say, you know what, I have a picture that really helps me be in awe of God. We'd like you to submit it online by just going to photos at whiteridgebaptist.ca and submit it. Before 
Monday, December 2nd. And on Sunday, December 15th, we want that wall filled with different pictures from our church family that when we look at it, we say, Lord, are you ever majestic? Look at what you've created. And we'll change that theme from time to time. The pictures won't stay static there. But what I just want to express is this. Those of you who have creative gifts, we need, find, we need to find ways to express those gifts. And you need to be able to use those gifts to help us know our Savior more. And the Bible would say, that's a work of wisdom. That's what really gets me. The first time we hear about a spirit of wisdom, it's given to someone who made everything for the tabernacle. All these beautiful art pieces. So please consider submitting a picture over the next month. Well, let's look at work and wealth. And uh, Proverbs has something to say about that as well. Proverbs 14, 23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So more or less, you can face work in different ways. You can kind of be lazy about it. Most likely, you'll struggle in many different ways. Or you can work hard and there's some profit. Maybe it's monetary, maybe it's different. What I want to highlight here is beyond the danger of being lazy, there's also the danger of being a workaholic. There's both extremes, and that's why work needs to be worship. If it's not that, it's going to go wrong. And so let me read you this passage from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a, is a wonderful book just to re be reminded of what's important to God and what's not important to God. So these words are inspired by Ecclesiastes 2, verses 10 to 11. Everything I want, I take. I deny myself nothing. I work hard and I am financially rewarded. But when I stop to reflect on everything I have accomplished, it all seems so meaningless, like chasing the wind. The only achievements that are of value are the ones I accomplished for God and my fellow men. I can guarantee you that if you try to find your your worth in your work, you're going to be disappointed. If you make wealth your biggest game, as far as why you exist, I work for wealth and what that gets me. Maybe you say, I'm not so caught up in money, but I, I like what I can do with that money. That's a dangerous game. The Bible says in, in Matthew 8, uh, 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So again, let me ask you this. If you're working, you need to be thinking about either worship, glorifying God, or the default, the Bible says, is in some way you're depending on wealth and money to get you something. You don't live in neutral you don't do anything in your workday that's neutral. You're either getting closer to God and helping others in that journey, or you're leading others astray and yourself as well. And wealth is a dangerous, dangerous path. So wisdom and wealth is important to remember that we need to keep our priorities straight. Cash or Christ, that's the last thing I put there. Cash or Christ. Work and worth. And I put this right after wealth because sometimes we, we find our identity in what we do or what we have and God says, don't find your identity in that. Your worth does not come from your work. Please hear that today. Your worth does not come from your work. 
Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works which God prepared for us beforehand so that we would walk in them. God created you. That's why you have worth. And God created you so that in you knowing him, he would give you work to do. He has good things for you to do if you walk with him. He will not have you just sit in a room quiet with him. He will put things on your heart that will change the world, that will change the hearts of those around you. Because when you're with God, he's a God of goodness. He's a God of love. He's a God who promises to transform things to be the way they should be in his sovereignty. And if you spend time with him, he will put on your heart the good works that you should do, and you will only know that if you walk in Christ Jesus. There is no other way that you will know what God wants for you than you walk in Christ Jesus. Little phrase here, just never confuse the effect with the cause. Never confuse the effect with the cause. This phrase has come up in our, my utmost for his highest devotional a few times, so let me just put it in the context of today's talk. Don't think that your work gives you your worth. That's wrong. Your worth leads you to your work. That's God's design for you. It's your worth in him that leads you to know what to do and how to do it. Please don't get those things caught up because when you get those things changed, it snowballs really, really quick and you forget who you are, why you exist, who you exist for and what your primary purpose on life is and that is to glorify God by allowing others to see him in and through your life so that they too might come to know him. Not going to talk much about the Sabbath. Pastor Terry is going to be preaching on the Sabbath next Sunday but in connection with work, I do just want to highlight a Sabbath principle, and I don't mean a, a, a specific day that in the past maybe people say, oh, that's a legalistic thing. I'm talking about the pattern that God put out in Genesis. Six days you work, one day you rest. That's a wonderful principle to learn this fact. God is God, and I am not. God is God, and I am not. Newsflash, you are not God. But we forget that sometimes. And that's why God says, work hard six days, but then rest. And be disciplined in that. I'll tell you, one of the best practices in your life could be that you work hard, you have peace. Lord, I've done everything with your strength today. I've done good today. Tomorrow, there's still things that weigh on me, but I'm going to rest. I'm not going to push this day off to a different day that's lighter. I'm actually going to rest and trust that you are God and I am not. I remember going to Prov. And uh, one day, I was commuting, this was later on, uh, I was already at church and I was commuting there to go to school, and I met a friend in the hallway. He was in school full-time, working part-time, married with three or four kids. And I remember him looking at me, he stopped me in the hallway and he says, Doug, I don't know what to do, I'm just exhausted. I'm just exhausted. And I said, have you been taking a day of rest? He goes, as if. I'd never have time to do that. I said, you don't have time not to take that day of rest and to remember that God is God and you are not. I didn't see him again for about six weeks just because of my commuting thing, but I saw him again in the hallways about six weeks later, and he looked different. It was like he had a little bounce as a step, and I just asked him, what's changed? He goes, Doug, I've started to take a break, and I've started to recognize more again that God is God and I am not. 
It changes everything when we have something that tangibly shows that we trust God and not just our own abilities. So work and witness. Can you imagine if you're, if you're able to take that kind of a rest and when people say, how are you doing it? It's because I'm trusting God to supply me the wisdom I need for tomorrow. He's going to give me what's exactly needed. 1 Thessalonians 4 has, uh, says these things. It says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Your work, no matter if you find it joyful or mundane, there's people around you that God loves deeply and cares for. He died so that they might come to know him. You think about the task, God thinks about the people. And you never know when someone's watching you and their thoughts on God are changing because of the way you do your work. How is it that you do something so mundane and you don't complain? You still have gratitude in your heart or like whatever it is, but they look at you and somehow they get to know something more about God. They respect the way you live. They start to respect the God you worship. Don't ever think there's an unimportant moment in your day. Again, your job itself might be mundane, but there's people around you. And God says, will you worship me in this? Will you worship me when this is the work you have to do? We're not going to talk a lot about Exodus, but please remember that for 400 years, God's people were slaves. They didn't have profiles to find out what's your best job to do. And those are the people that God spoke words of hope to. I have plans for you, plans to, har- plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Those are the people he's speaking to. And then we have Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him through God the Father. Everything you do, learn to give thanks to God. Everything. There's not anything you do that is unimportant to God the way that you approach it. And we think about what God did for us. God says these words, John 16, 38, Jesus says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I was going to show a picture. I didn't put it on here, but we don't know for sure, but I think for the first 30 years of Christ's life, he probably did the trade his father did. He was most likely a carpenter. Can you imagine the Son of God? who created everything and everything sustained by him, coming down and doing manual labor. You don't hear anything about it. You don't have stories about what those 30 years were like. We have a story when he was 12, that's it, and then his ministry begins. And all those years he worked, and he was doing the will of his father while he was doing it. His ministry was his whole life. Whatever God has allowed you to do today, that's what he wants you to do, and he wants you to do it in a way that pleases our Father. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Terry showed a picture by Michelangelo called the creation of Adam. Do you guys remember that? Most of you have probably seen this picture before. I don't know who gave it the name. I'm not an art critic, but I would say that name doesn't exactly make sense to me because Adam looks fully alive. He looks like he's pretty healthy. And uh, here's God, he's reaching down his hand like this as far as he can. If you look at that picture, it's sort of like Jesus, God is leading his hand down like this, and, and Adam looks like he's perfectly fine, and his hand's like this. 
just limp. All he needs to do is this, and it would be in touch with God's. I would say that this actually is a picture of the death of Adam. God is doing everything he can to tell his kids he loves them. He's made you with the ability to receive from him, to hear him, to live in his Holy Spirit, to work in a way that will honor him and bless the world. You're primed for that. You were created for that. And you know what stops us? Ah. <laughs> That's what keeps you from experiencing the full blessing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Huh. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for that. Know that God loves you deeply. And your worth does not come from your work. Your worth comes from him. And your work is an avenue of worship. It's a way that others can get to know who God is. Today we have the privilege of spending time celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And I pray that as we quiet our hearts and we allow God to remind us of how great he is and what Jesus did for us, that we can also ask him to reshape our thought on how we use the, the majority of our days in our places of work. And to say, every single situation, Lord, is a place for us to worship you, to honor you. And uh, today, this table is available for anyone who says, I've submitted my life to Christ. I've trusted that in his body he suffered for me, that in his shed blood a new covenant was made that I can live in. And I am a child of God. This table is for you. And we're going to celebrate him now. I'm going to ask the people who are ushering just to uh, prepare, and I'll pray for the Lord's Supper. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for a reminder that our worth comes from you, that work is a means of worship, and Lord, that we are meant to live together, to enjoy fellowship in you and with you, and that we are also created to allow other people to see you in us. Lord, today we ask that you quiet our hearts, that you help us again to remember the wonderful thing that you did by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and then to be risen from the grave and then to ascend to heaven, knowing that someday he will come back in the way that he left. And that no matter what our life looks like for these years that we have breath, the moment we take our last breath here and we enter into paradise with you, you say that you will allow us to have work for eternity that will be in union with you and will be a blessing to everyone. Thank you so much for the gift of work. May it not become a waste, and may it not become an idol. May we not trust in anything other than you. And thank you for this table right now, and for the bread and the cup to help us remember Jesus Christ. Amen. And after the supper, he took the cup and said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Every time you take of this, remember me. Let's do that together. As we end our time together, again, I just want to remind you that it's not your work that gives you worth. It's your worth in Christ that leads you to life-giving work, helpful work. 
and that your work is meant to be a means of worship. And uh, with that, will you please rise with me? We'll close in prayer. Those of you who are staying for the newcomer's lunch, please remember it's in the fireside room, which is to your left there. So let's just close in prayer together. Father, we thank you for your continued presence. And right now, Lord, we just confess that so often we are unaware of your presence because we're distracted. We have different things on our mind other than you. And today, Lord, we just confess that. And we ask that you help our eyes to be more solidly and continually fixed on Christ. And that we really enjoy you, Lord. May we enjoy you as you deserve to be enjoyed. And may our connection with you impact every facet of our lives. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ, for what he's done for us. Thank you that he sent his Holy Spirit so that you live in us. Use us, Lord, to glorify yourself throughout this week so that you are honored, that others are blessed, and we are satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.